yet another of the Radlichen Broadcasting Network Summer Blockbuster Review Series. Thank you all so very much for joining us. I'm your host, your resident authority on all things evil, Mr. Robert Winfrey. All right, a couple of big movie openings this last week. One of them, How to Train Your Dragon. Uh, the sequel to the big hit from a couple of years ago, How to Train Your Dragon Part 1. And we don't need, uh, you know, spurious names here. It's just How to Train Your Dragon 2. <laughs> um, had a pretty good opening weekend so far uh, to date. In budget of $145 million, give or take. Opening weekend seems to be in the $100 million plus range, so good things for DreamWorks. Uh, the original cast came back. I haven't seen the movie yet, so for details, characterizations, all that fun stuff that doesn't carry over from the first movie, I'm going to be deferring to the two gentlemen who are joining me. Up first, uh, he's ending the Jonas Exodus in a couple of days. The mortified mandated reporter and resident one-man mitzvah, Mark Radulich. How you doing, Mark? Hey, Robert. I'm excited to talk uh, our first animated feature of a summer blockbuster's uh, very exciting stuff here, and I get to talk about my kids on this podcast, which I'm always excited about, so let's do it. All right, and the uh, Pat Mullen not joining us, didn't want to see the movie, didn't feel like talking about it, had other stuff going on, I don't know, he's not with us, but joining us in his stead, the man who actually requested this particular podcast, all the way from the cheap seats, and if you've ever seen those, that's you know that's a ways to walk, people. Uh, Jason Teasley is here with us. How you doing, Jason? Hey, what's up, fellas? Robert, you you need to go back and do his intro again. He is the fastest-growing uh, uh, blogger, podcaster on the Rattlegen Broadcasting Network. His podcast has exceeded all expectations and is the uh, most exciting podcast going in the history of planet Earth today. Well, see, Mark, actually, I was going to do the whole Paul Heyman bit every time I talk and go, my podcast from the cheap seats broke the record this week for most live listens and then proceed to talk. But then Jesse <laughs> told me that that would probably work about two times before Robert hung up on me and go, I don't know what happened to Teasley. He's got a back connection or something. <laughs> it would take three or four. And even then, I'd probably just verbally berate you about, be, about turning into a short, balding Jewish man with no ponytail. And we still don't have crickets. Jeez, somebody's got to get on that. <laughs> I'm I sure you still waking up, man. There. I was just waiting for him to, to, to talk. And first of all, stop disparaging my people. Just, you know, with or without ponytails, we're a, we're a, fine, we're a fine group. I was referencing Paul Heyman, who happens to be yes. Jewish. It was not a he's dispersion on the entire he's people, our, unless you view him as a Jew. dispersion. <laughs> he's no, the planet no, John Stewart. That's right. <laughs> nice so, so tonight, tonight it's racism towards Jews here on the Radlington Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Radlington Broadcasting Network, RAB, where the R stands for racism. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and jump into this one. Now, Mark, you saw this. Uh, you saw this with your family. So, given that this is a film primarily aimed at kids and all that fun stuff, uh, you know, what we, you know, did you enjoy the movie on the whole, and what did your family think about it? Um, well, we were actually partially inspired to go see this because um, the weekend before, uh, the first one happened to be playing on cable somewhere. I don't remember quite where we saw it. But um, I happened to catch it on, and you have to understand, I have a three-year-old daughter, and I live 45 minutes away from Disney World. So to say that we are up to our elbows in Disney would be an, a, a vast understatement. 
Um, my daughter has seen Frozen three or four times in the theater and countless times on video. Um, you know, not to mention the other Disney classics. She sings the songs, and, you know, she's just all about Disney. So I wanted to – she hasn't seen too many of the Dream – I almost said Dreamcast. Um, she hasn't seen too many of the DreamWorks movies. You know, I can't really get her to sit down and watch uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs as many times as I've tried. Um, I, I, the only other set of movies that she'll – that I can get her to sit down and get interested in are the Barbie, the straight-to-video straight to ones, which that's a whole other podcast. But um, so I was really like pushing her to kind of get out of her bubble at three years old and try something different, try something new, try something that wasn't just chock full of princesses and such, you know, give, give something else a chance. And I got her to sit down to watch the first uh, How to Train Your Dragon. And she liked it. She, uh, for whatever the reasons are, maybe it's because she watched like Maleficent, uh, uh, not Maleficent, Sleeping Beauty at one years old and got used to seeing dragons and such. But she, uh, she liked the dragons in it. She was able to follow along with it. The only, you know, the only thing it was is it's the, the DreamWorks uh, movies like you know, Kung Fu Panda and all that, they're not sing-songy. They're not musicals like the Disney animated ones are. So they're a little less interesting for her. And I guess that's a very, very long way of saying she liked How to Train Your Dragon too. It kept her interest. She was pretty well behaved at the drive-in, but it definitely needed more song and dancing for her. Well, everything could use a little more song and dance. I mean, I, I think children all over the world believe that to be the case. All right, Jason, you've uh, you've also seen this, so give me your brief impressions. Did you enjoy the whole thing? I loved I loved the the original uh, How to Train Your Dragon. I mean, it was just it's one of those movies like you know. I used to work in a theater, so I got to see movies for free and still do. So anytime something comes out, it's like when uh, the better half's at work, i am got to kill time. And so you can only watch so much uh, How to, <laughs> um, Orange is the New Black Orange. and Supernatural. So, uh, By the way, how good is Orange is the New Black? I'm, I'm digging it. So I've marathoned the entire first season in uh, two That's days. Awesome, isn't it? Yeah, yep. it's it's pretty cool. Uh, if you can't tell my by my status updates on Facebook, um, but How to Train Your Dragon is like Mark said, it's it's more story driven and not so so much sing songy. So it was pretty good. And yes, it 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 begs to wonder why a 36 year old man is in the theater with popcorn and a soda watching cartoons <laughs> by himself on a Saturday. Well, you know, it's come up um, a couple times now between myself and Sean uh, Comer, my co-host for The Long Road to Ruin, Tuesday nights at 9 o'clock every other week on the Rattle and Broadcasting Network. Um, we, we've talked about, you know, children's programming and children's uh, animated movies. And, you know, both of us have said just because you're aiming something at children doesn't mean it needs to be dog shit stupid. Um, and, I, and I've cited, like, the Tinkerbell movies, which you might think are like, oh, Jesus, that's, that, that's what you're going to use. But, no, the Tinkerbell movies are actually written really well. They're, they're, they're solid stories, and, you know, they're aimed at little girls, but, um, which is the, the audience. But for that audience, they're actually entertaining. And my, I've, my, my wife has found herself really enjoying the movies when, we, uh, when they come out. Um, the same thing here. You know, just because of this, and now this one's more aimed at boys, 
Uh, but just because you're, you know, you've got an animated movie aimed at young children doesn't mean it has to be, uh, once again, dog shit stupid. Uh, the really nice thing about How to Train Your Dragon is it's actually pretty, it's a pretty layered subtext. There's a lot going on with it for what it's supposed to be. Um, just, you know, the first one and the second one, I felt like there was enough going on uh, under, underneath the, uh, the surface of the movie that warranted a discussion. You know, um, I really, I enjoyed it on a couple of different levels. So, um, you know, I think DreamWorks really, really nailed it with this. Yeah, I, I think How to Train Your Dragon is one of those movies that it has the kid aspect to it. It has enough, enough layers and story and everything that it also appeals to the adults that have the kid inside of them. And no, that's not a pedophile reference, Mark, so don't <laughs> even go there. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it appeals to the adults that, you know, can actually... Because it's not one of those movies that, yeah, you get to turn your brain off and just say, hey, hey, I'm along for the ride. I mean, it actually evokes emotion. And the reason why I say that is I'll be, go on record and say I cried during both of them. So, uh, I mean, What not happened like, in the first one that made you sad? Because I know, I know, spoiler alert. If you're listening to this podcast, we will spoil the movie, uh, you know, so if, you're, if you don't want to know what happens in the movie, come back after you've seen the movie to listen to this podcast. And, and if I'm going to spoil the first one, uh, you've had well enough, as Robert says, you've had well enough time to watch it, so I don't care. But in the first well, one, ha- it was when he lost his leg, when he lost his oh, foot. Really? Really yeah, it was, you, huh? like one of the, it was just like one of those, because, well, I mean... You you typically think of a um, a kids movie, everything's going to be all tied up in a nice neat little bow. You're not going to have no no troubles. Everything's going to be perfect. Then he, when he wakes up and he has the the fake foot, and you're like, oh man, this sucks. He's a gimp now. See, I didn't get that from the first one. Um, I felt like you know part of it is. When you when you don't fit in in your society and you know and that was what he was trying to do he was trying to find a way to fit in with the other Vikings without having to give up his soul you know without having to be a completely different person from who he really was and he found his niche you know through training the dragons and getting to know them and everything else but also forming a relationship with uh, Snaggletooth or whatever Toothless Toothless um, Toothless is but, awesome but, but but part of that was you know, all the Vikings like had a limb missing somewhere. It was a, it was a mark Where, of the tribe. It was, it was your, it was your war wound. You know that if if you lost something in battle, you were truly part of the tribe. And so I felt like, you know, on the one hand, you know, it's always a sad thing. It's like when you know, like when uh, vets come back from the war and they're all messed up or whatever. Um, on the one hand, yeah, that's sad, and you don't want to see guys with you know lost limbs. On the other hand, those are your battle scars. And I've heard people talk like. You know, like, well, it's an inconvenience to say the least. They're also kind of proud that, uh, you know, they, they lost, they gave a little piece of themselves on the battlefield. So I didn't get, um, I wasn't saddened by that. Now, in the second movie, where the father sacrifices himself after uh, Toothless, Toothless is overcome by, and I can't remember what the what the name Dragon Bad Bewildered Guy's name dragon. is. Or Bewildered Beast. Well, well that, no, that's the dragon. Uh, the character i think is drago is the one you're referencing yeah Dra- drago's the one that's he, the the quote-unquote evil evil doer that is has got himself an alpha alpha dragon. Well, what, 
what was the name of the dragon though? The dragon having or was this just the it was alpha like dragon? A, it was a Leviathan level ten, something like that. <laughs> I'm I, re- I remember it because then. because Jonah Hill's voice aggravates me so much that you know I remember him saying that in the movie because okay. Jonah Hill and just proceeded to pummel him in the face. <laughs> So for the purposes uh, of this conversation, the only thing I have it here, I have it referred to on the internet as a bewilder beast. So, so the alpha dragon's the fifth time, um, yeah. <laughs> overwhelms, overwhelms uh, toothless, and, to, and toothless is under his spell, and he goes to attack um, Hiccup, and, and and he's trying to you know get him to get his senses back, and he's just about ready to be shot in the face when the father dives and takes a bullet for him uh, and dies. And that was legitimately sad. And I think I remember even my daughter kind of reacting to that. You know, it was one of those moments where she wasn't sort of distracted by something else going on in the movie theater, uh, going on in the drive-in. But I remember she, she had the reaction that I think the film writers were looking for, which was, oh, no, what a terrible thing. And even my wife was a little verklempt, uh and she doesn't get particularly emotional at movies. That's that's my sissy pants job. Um, but yeah, that that's that was sad. That was a legitimately tragic moment. The father sacrificing himself to, to save the son when uh, when Toothless was out of control. Well, yeah, Toothless does the bath salts, goes crazy. Trust see, I can relate Hiccup though. that's out of place and you know appeals to the masses. Appeals to the masses, and you know, it's not his niche, and you know. Well, well I will say the, this. Um, you know, I, go ahead. One last point. I was going to say. It, it, I will say this. The, the nice thing about the about this movie. I, I mean, I can't speak for the DreamWorks movies because I have yet to see Kung Fu Panda or any of these other ones that have come out. But um, it was nice to see a little a, a level of tragedy, some depth. In, in a children's movie because, because I think and Robert and I talked about this um, last year with his Everyone Loves a Bad Guy uh, on Disney Villains that you know Disney goes out of its way to provide some death you know some tragedy some um, uh, an extra level of something uh, for, you know for everyone to enjoy and I'm glad that DreamWorks kind of went the same way that you know is that as Jason said it doesn't and it's not it's not so nicely tied up where everyone wins and no one no one gets hurt, and you know it was like, okay, well, what was all this for? Where, where was the dramatic tension? Um, you know, it's animated, but this very this could have just as easily been a real movie with with live actors. Uh, just speaking briefly, there is some in Kung Fu Panda. Uh, it's not as overt as necessarily characters dying, but when you understand like everyone's you know kind of position, there is some in that. Uh, not a, I wouldn't say a whole lot, but if you got some time, it's not a bad way to. If, and assuming Jack Black's voice doesn't make you wish to drive a Q-tip through your own ear. Well, I have a son now, and you will need to be entertained. So, you know, I'm sure. Have you noticed that that like DreamWorks really does try to corner the market on marketing to boys, whereas Disney has pretty much given up the ship. <laughs> yeah, just a little. That. <laughs> because well, get- of. When you guys when you guys talk about Disney and you know how Disney movies like they can do amazing when they cater to girls but do shit when they cater to boys. But yeah, well, DreamWorks kinda kinda takes that little niche, okay, Disney, you kinda ignore the boys and you want 
kind of, if you notice, I mean, you know, just with Kung Fu Panda and How to Train Your Dragon, uh, they do cater to boys a lot better than Disney. So. Well, I don't know if DreamWorks has ever done a movie that was catered towards girls. I mean, I feel like just the ones off the top of my head were all at least were either unisex or, or directed towards boys. Um, give me a second, and I will Which look up tra- there. No, give well, me a second. I'll do it. How to train? Uh, no, no, yeah. no, no. Maybe okay. no, 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 no. Yeah, no. Doesn't look like it. Looks like they're all uh, at least you know again me- boys with a. Uh, the occasional unisex one. Yeah, okay. How to Train Your so Dragon kind of... Kind of... That was awesome for people listening to this podcast to hear you just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But how about here are the movies? Okay, um, sorry. <laughs> a lot, uh, got, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. We've got Shrek from 2001, which was not only unisex, but also meant for an adult audience. Um, <laughs> we've got How to Train Your Dragon, which is definitely geared towards boys. Kung Fu Panda, boys. Madagascar, um, uh, th- th- I think that would be more uh, unisex. I think that that was just for everybody. Rise of the Guardians was definitely boys. Puss in Boots, uh, Shrek audience. Um, the Crudes was unisex. Sucked. Turbo, I'm guessing, was boys. Sucked. Um, <laughs> uh, Ants, I'm not sure about. Uh, no, audience. It was direct. It was like direct conflict with a bug's life. Um, I'm not going over sequels, by the way. Shark Tale. Anyone? Sucked. Boys more. If it appealed to one of them, it would have been definitely more towards a male audience. Hang on. The authority on children just just said something. What what was that? Thanks for that contribution. Um, moving right along. Mega Mine is definitely for boys. Um, Peabody and Sherman, I would say, is boys. Truly B-movie, so. B-movie, I don't even know what that was about. It was pretty good. Yeah, if, if Jerry Seinfeld makes you want to stab yourself, though. Okay. He does, so that's a big who knows. Prince of Egypt was boys. Um, all right, but... yeah. I would say DreamWorks definitely either went for boys or adult audiences with their movies. I would say DreamWorks either knocked it out of the part or park or made shit. Yeah, well, there's not a whole lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> you say that about, about uh, most, most studios, but I'm sorry, Robert, I, I cut you off there before. Well, I just I wanted to uh, kind of go to your point. Uh, again, I haven't seen the movie yet, so I'm basing this off of things I've heard and things I've read in the interim. But it seems like you know uh, this was still a little bit. This was um, the first movie featured a lot of hiccup trying to figure out where he fit in in the society. Uh, of Vikings and, you know, expanding that, you know, dragons aren't all necessarily evil, all that fun stuff. In this one, uh, he's kind of being pressured to, you know, take over leadership of the clan. Uh, you know, not, you know, no longer just, you know, go off on all your fun adventures with your, you know, it's time to come home, take care of things, you know, grow up a little bit. And it seems, and there was also um, what a uh, there was kind of a conflict wherein he doesn't he's uh, what a bit of a pacifist would you say, and he tries to like reason with Drago, and that just goes horribly, horribly wrong. Or he's yeah. convinced that he can. Yeah, he's got Gandhi complex, and uh, and part of the the first part of this movie, it, it kind of heavy handedly goes out there and tries to say 
that he doesn't know where he still fits in because he doesn't know who he is really because his dad wants him to be one thing. He wants to be another. And, you know, there's a big heartfelt moment there. And, um, that he can find out who he is if he just looks inside and stuff, you know, typical movie. He he feels like a piece of himself is still missing even after all of this. Yeah, it's his foot. <laughs> yeah, that's that, 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 that. No, I mean, we, we've already discussed this. Him losing his foot made me cry. We've already discussed this, Mark. Oh, good gracious. Um, no, a piece of his heart and a piece of his soul is still out there and it's missing and he doesn't know how to find it. So that was that was one of the driving factors of this movie. But yeah, his father's encouraging him to settle down and be responsible and stop going um no more adventures. Uh that that sort of a thing. That's not what he wants. He he doesn't first of all he doesn't feel like he feels like his father is special in his own right and uh and that's why he makes a good leader of the tribe, but he doesn't the clan. But he doesn't feel like he's his father and he never will be and he doesn't want that kind of responsibility. So that's that's where we are when the movie starts. Well, I want to ask you this, Mark. I'm sorry, Robert. Uh, Do you think the whole the whole mother thing of this movie could just be cut out? And or do you think it's just like to me, you could take whole arc with his mother and cut that out, and you still have a great movie. Um, I don't think he gets to where he needs to go uh, character-wise without the mother. No, I think if you cut the mother out. You you're, you lose half the movie. I just think I just think they do. They try to shoehorn too much with her because I mean, like the whole. It's like I I could understand her being a um, a plot point, but I just think they. To me, it just felt like they forced too much of the story arc to be on the uh, on the mother. Like the, it kind of took away from it kind of took away from the dynamic of Hiccup and his father, and just try to kind of shoehorn the 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 strange mother in there. Yeah, but how else do you you know? I'm gonna I'm gonna do the Vince McMahon thing. Is okay, you can shoot it down, but then you have to figure you have to come up with something better. If the if the plot of this story, if the theme of this of, of this story is that um, in his mother. He finds he, he finds the true part of himself, and that he is a dragon lover and adventurer, and and you know, and, and somebody who wants to save the dragons and protect them from from harm. How does he get there without meeting his mother and realizing that that's where he gets those that's where he gets that innate power from? You know, if you watch the first movie, he intrinsically kind of knew how to deal with toothless. Uh, when Toothless was was wounded and unable to fly. Um, and then the more he hung out with Toothless, the more he was able to apply what he was learning to the other dragons. But that came from someplace, that came from someplace in, innate. It came from someplace within him. So this movie kind of took the next step and said, okay, well, if it, it came from within him, where did that come from? And it came from his mother. If you take the mother out of the story, where are they, where, where, where are they supposed to go with this? Like, where is he supposed to get it from? Well, you could have had you could have had him and Toothless venturing out like they were. 
you know, finding other islands like Itchy Underarm, and just stumble across the nest and everything. And you could have just made the Alpha Dragon, like, talk. And because it's like, it showed the whole, well, your mother really didn't die. She just flew away with the dragon. So, okay. So, basically what it's saying is through osmosis and birth that she passed this gift of dealing with the dragons that she didn't know that she had till they was trying to kill dragons. So, I mean, I, that's just a plot hole that I, I mean, it's just something, maybe I'm overthinking it, but it's just like she, she had compassion for the dragons. The dragon comes in and he's not trying to kill Hiccup, even though his dad looks at it. He is actually sitting there sniffing and playing with Hiccup. And when the dad busts in, that's how he gets the scratch, because he startles the dragon, because the dragon's getting ready to try to pet Hiccup. And that's how he gets the scratch on his chin, and how his his mother recognizes him. But, it's uh, kind of I disagree. Like, I actually felt like, if, 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 if anything, I didn't feel like they spent enough time with the mother. Um, more specifically, they introduced the mother as you know, as another dragon rider. And so that's the big mystery at the start of the movie is they get captured by these uh, dragon hunters, him and Astrid, and they're like, more dragon riders? How could this be? And that's when he says, wait a minute, wh- where are there other dragon riders? And I wish there had been more, a little bit more time chasing that thread because, like, it's the next scene that's all and it's over again. You know, they're, they're moved on. They inter- they you know, they reveal that the dragon rider is the mother and all this other stuff. And it's, I actually felt like, and then, and then later on when they introduce, when they reunite her with the father, no sooner than they reunite the two of them, but then they kill the father off. So you get that one scene and, and, and you're limited because, you know, kids have only have so much of an attention span. If you start making this Lord of the Rings length, you know, you're gonna lose your audience. Well, there is a third one coming out. Well, well hey, yeah, let me ask briefly then. Hey, hang on. Do you think then that you could have both been satisfied if we had kind of cut out the mother from this one and then made the like the bulk of the third movie him looking for? Her? Well, see, that's see. I think they could they could have just put the mother in, but I think they just kind of overly done. I, I think they could have brought the mother in just as. You know, we have battle, you know, when, you know, Gerard Butler does that. Personally, I think they missed an opportunity to have the mother be the bad guy. Well, see, that's what what I was hoping for. No, I thought the bad guy in this movie sucked. I thought thought he was kind of retarded. Uh, And I thought his, I thought his whole motivation for doing things was forced and kind of hackneyed. You know, and he, he only serves one purpose, and that was one way. To, one way to train the dragons was to just was to just dominate them. You know, and they, they hit the that speech. note. A, they hit that note a few times with him, but it was like ultimately, I felt like he was a very weak villain. You know, he's just sort of they you know, they have two two sets of fights, and that's always good for. I would have much rather have seen a movie where. You know, they introduce the mom, and the mom is, you know, sympathetic and everything, and, you know, and then when, um, 
when Hiccup tries to leave or whatever or try to reunite her with the clan, she's just like, the clan? What? What are you, crazy? And this I'm not Mississippi. Vikings. This ain't Mississippi. I ain't joining the clan again. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. But you see what I'm saying, Robert? You know, I would there was an opportunity there for her to be like, no, the clan is everything I'm against now, and you know, cause some sort of uh, some sort of tension or some sort of you know issue where, if if you want to do a battle, you know, maybe you know have her have her show up, turn the dragons back on the Vikings, and they're right right back where they started again. Because how dare you try to dominate my dragons? The dragons must be free, don't you understand? I think that would have made for a better plot. Well, you know me. I'm all about whether or not the villain is great as to how far I think a movie can necessarily rise. And I I haven't seen it, but from what you two have said and from what I've read, he's just kind of there as a plot device. He's there to cause conflict. He's very weak. He's very weak. Because even even if they would have done, like, had him made him, like, the underlying, you know, just how they, when they was searching out the dragon's mark and just, you know, they kept talking about him and just build him up. And then all of a sudden you see that he, at the end of the movie, that it's actually, he's got, he's the big bad, you know, kind of setting up the third one that everything's been out failed. So it's kind of the, got to take matters in my own hands. And then you see him with the Leviathan level 10 coming out of the water, you know, and just like you said, have the mother as the bad guy and then have that and kind of not be, because I felt it was kind of rushed how they got to the big battle when the two Megazords faced off. And it was like, <laughs> it, 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 I mean, you just seen like Godzilla come out of the water. It was a two minute fight between two alphas. And one gets gored, and it's over. And then, oh, the evil evil alpha wins. I think they could have done more with that. Because, I mean, visual, visually, this movie was great. I mean, it has some great visuals. Especially if you watch it in 30. And uh, I, I caught myself kind of ducking and dodging a few times. Even though I know that dragons wasn't coming at me. But I think that, like you said, they could have made the mother the the bad guy. And then have her descending with her dragons on the the clan membership, not knowing that they have embraced the dragons due to hiccup. And then have no, I, I, kind of the, the I almost agree with you. I almost agree with you. Like I said, I would have I would have had her I would have had hiccup kind of say to her like, "No, mom, we have embraced the dragons." We ride them, and they are a part of our society now. And she, and just alter her character a little bit and say, and she says, no, no, the dragons can't. Dragons must be free. They, they cannot be dominated by anyone. They, you know, they can't be part of your society. They have to. How have dare their own you domesticate and, these free-range creatures? Yeah, yeah. Make her an eco-terrorist. Um, yeah, that that would have been that would have been great. You know, and now, and now he's got a conflict between the mother and the father, and the fact that she's turned the dragons on the village. You know what to what to do. Um, instead, she and and here's where I'll agree with you, Teasley, just just so we can move on with this. Well, I I, I kind of I'm kind of coming around on this. But I see what you're saying, 
they didn't give the mom enough to do. And she just serves the purpose of showing that this whole thing with the dragons is a part of him and just as much a part of his personality as being a Viking. And that's kind of it. That's her whole purpose in the movie is to say, is to say, no, 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 hiccup. Training dragons is, is, is a part of you, just like it was a part of me, and that's what you got from me, your beloved mother. And then she's fucking useless. And then she's fucking useless through the rest of the movie. So um, I, I would agree. If they, they either needed to give the mom more to do or just take her out of the movie completely. All right. Uh, Mark, Jason mentioned how nice the movie looked. I'm curious. Did you enjoy the visuals? Yeah, it was stunning. Um, it was, uh, you know, for an animated... CGI movies, um, I didn't have a problem with it. But I'm I'm also not a CGI snob. It has to look, as I said famously, it has to look like the Congo um, for me to really start to notice. Like, hey, we got problems here. Um, yeah, even like the Phantom Menace, who everyone has compared to a you know a terrible video game. I did, the, the CGI never really bothered me that much. So yeah, it was pretty. I, I enjoyed it. All right, I'll stick with you for just a second. How was the voice acting? Anybody stick out to you? And I, I, I want to go to Jason in a minute because I know he's going to – he hates Jonah Hill as should every rational thinking human being. But I want to get your perspective, Mark. Uh, any standout voice acting performances uh, you know, as far as that went? Anybody uh, really drop the ball? Um, I hate all the voices. I, <laughs> they, they all bothered me. I mean it's, it, they don't let, – let, let me say this. This is kind of the Jason Biggs argument that Sean and I keep having. Um, and that is you cast an actor and the actor does the best job they can with the material they're being given. And I think that's what you should judge them on. So to answer your first question, no, everyone did did a fine job with their parts. I don't think anyone came across poorly. Aesthetically, I don't like the sound of anyone's voice in in these movies. I kind of get over it because it is what it is. And in some cases, the voice is kind of masked with what the character is supposed to be, so it doesn't bother me that much. But, like, you know, Hiccup's voice and it irritates the living <laughs> shit out of me. Um, well, co- that might be because Hiccup other... is voiced by Jay Bruchel, who yeah, is kind of an annoying I, person. <laughs> I don't like a lot of these beta male actors that Hollywood seems to be so in love with. Um, you know, that that whole super bad... Uh, group of guys. I'm not. I'm not down with it. Um, you know, while I don't quite have the detest that that uh, Jason has for Jonah Hill, you know, Jonah Hill's certainly part of that. I just, you know, I, I, none of them sound like men, so <laughs> they all bother me. Well, sticking with you for just a second to that you know, to that point, did you like? Some, you know, would maybe some of the like actual male actors be more to your taste as far as like this movie goes? I mean, who yeah, else was who, in this? Whoever, play, whoever played the dad is fine. Whoever Gerard Butler. Butler. Yeah, Gerard Butler was fine. Kate Blanchett was fine, I think, as the mother. Um, whatever, whoever, whoever played the villain, his voice was fine. Uh, um, Jimmy Hansu, actually. There's a boy. Yeah. A favorite, a personal favorite actor, but. Yeah, and so uh, I mean, like I said, I, I, the performances were fine. It, it, it's not one of those things that that I thought a whole lot about. Um, and, and honestly, like if you were to rank the kinds of things you can look at in a movie, the voice acting maybe was number 10 out of 10 only because 
of exactly what I just said. I already hate the actor, so I kind of just put it out of my head. All right, Jason, uh, apart from Jonah Hill, who you've already made your case for, uh, anybody else stand out to you, good or bad? I mean, on the bad side, um, watching this, anytime I hear Hiccup's voice, I think of watching the This is the End, (laughs) and it's just like it takes me out of the moment for a second, actually out of the movie, because, yeah, uh, I just can't stand it. His voice is... It just doesn't seem. You watch this at the end, and then try to watch How to Train Your Dragon, kind of, kind of throws you off a little bit. But I love Craig Ferguson in this movie. I mean, he is just. I, I like Craig Ferguson in general, but in this movie, I mean, he he provides that that just subtle comic relief and the best friend and trying to, you know, he keeps he helps push the story along. Without, hello. Uh, Sorry. He's uh, uh, it's all right, man. <laughs> uh, but hey, you know, I'm trying to do my show. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, I, the the guy, like I said, I mean, the villain to me is it was it was too weak to even really say I didn't like him. They had the they could have did so much more with him. But it's just kind of like he was just there, and he was just like kind of just there to have have a bad guy. Feels like an but, afterthought. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, that's absolutely true. It, it, it just it absolutely felt like we need a bad guy here, and they wrote like random bad guy. <laughs> but I mean, it's like, and like I said, they they had the potential to do so much more with him. And it fell flat. So I can't really say that I, I liked or hated him. But uh, Kate Blanchett's mother. He gave me a strong sense of ambivalence. Yeah. <laughs> Tell my wife uh, I said hello. <laughs> but, I mean, just. I, I mean, Gerard Butler and Craig Ferguson was probably the two shining voice actors of the movie. Strictly because I, I really like their characters and everything. And just when you think of a, a, a Viking chief, I mean, Gerard Butler is, is pretty dreamy. <laughs> <laughs> now, he's... Gerard Butler was one of the few actors whose name alone will at least kind of catch my interest. To pay, I'll at least pay attention. If it's a romantic comedy, I will summarily then dismiss it because romantic comedies. But... I like Gerard Butler. I'm a fan of the guys. So uh, good. To, yeah, I I liked him in the first one. Uh, not enough to do. I felt in the first one, but again, it was a it wasn't his story. He's just kind of there to support. All right. Um, yeah, Mark. Anything else you wanted to touch on? Kind of anything else sticking out in your head about this one? You know, do you recommend it? Uh, you know, all all that fun stuff. Um, I would definitely recommend it. Um. Especially if you have a boy, it's like I said. You know, the, the part of the reason why I brought up the um, marketing to girls versus boys is I feel like there's a lot more out there for girls, and that's maybe that maybe because my first child was a girl, and that's where the, my focus was. But um, you know, I, I I just feel like 
companies market towards girls, I feel like there's more money in that. Um, and it won't be until boys are much older that they, that, that they get stuff that's just marketed towards them. So any chance you have to support a movie that is very positive for boys, and not just and, and not just like athletic boys. This is, this movie is about essentially a nerd. You know, it's it's about a dork. With only one foot. <laughs> he's a handicap. Yes. Yeah. Handicap hero. Um, that's right. He's handicapable. But no, it's it's a, you know it's about an awkward kid who finds his place in the world by um, by utilizing his talents and improving his metal. And I think that's a great lesson for any boy to learn. You know, one that you don't have to be Brock Lesnar, though you should. Um, excuse me. Um, <laughs> my client, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> my son, Brock Lesnar Jr. Um, no, no, I, I, I'm always looking for something where the, the message is positive. You know, one of the things that was said about Frozen was, you know, for the first time, like ever, you know, since at least since Beauty and the Beast, the the not do nothing, nothing princes. It's a good message for girls. How to Train Your Dragons, a nice message for boys, and we need more movies like that so that, you know, if you're going to take your kids to the movies, you know, they're not coming away totally. I mean, granted, you know, if you've got the, your parents there, hopefully there should be some engagement. Um, but, you know, you're not, you know, being fed messages from Hollywood that are not necessarily the kinds of things you want your kids to hear. All right. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. You know, there's probably not enough positivity in the world, especially in Hollywood. Well, I'm not, I'm not even joking unless about it's, that. Uh, it's, unless it's all, oh, no, everyone's okay. No, no, we don't need villains. <laughs> yeah. They're plot points. Right, everything is a soccer game um, where everyone gets a trophy. But, I mean, I think there's soccer been situations... <laughs> I think there's been situations in the past where Hollywood has released some kids' movies where the message was not great for kids. So that, that's, that's the point that I was trying I'm to make. Um, Tarzan? <laughs> Things like that? It's a, yeah, it's, it's been a while since I've watched either one. Well, no, I just watched The Hunchback. It was not that long ago. But it's been a while since I've watched Tarzan. But yeah, it's um, Tarzan skateboarding through the jungle. Um, yeah, as Phil Collins plays. <laughs> like you do. Because nothing says skateboard music or jungle adventure quite like Phil Collins. Exactly. It's just another lonely day in paradise. So um, I actually like this one. Uh, like, I like the concept behind How to Train Your Dragon a little bit more than like uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, which is another one I've tried to work on my daughter. Um, I actually I like the protagonist. I guess I guess I can talk a little bit about that. I like the protagonist. In these, is that, that, that despite the terrible voice, I feel like the character—it's a good character, and not one. You know, yes, they made him. You know, some of the complaints that uh, you, you know you hear from people like who watch the Big Bang Theory is, well, Jesus, they're so nerdy and they're so awkward. No human being would actually, you know, act that way. And no, people do. Right, not only people do, but. I don't feel like Hiccup was so far out there that he crosses into the unlikable territory. He was the so, nerdy jock. The nerdy kind of, jock. Yeah, well, I mean, he was. No, that, that's he, he popular. Well, I mean, he was popular, but in a but his awkwardness got in his own way from being 
because like he was like the star football player slash I don't want the limelight. I'm too awkward to be the center of attention. Yeah, that, that's a fair like, point, and it's an underused character type. Did I just make a? I just I date myself by referencing the movie Lucas. Possibly. <laughs> wow. That that was that was bad. It's all right. Nobody'll hear this. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's gonna go. Who's Lucas? So I'm just reading a headline here as we're talking. Mom who tore six-year-old son's genitals then tried to fix with glue. Is well, that yes, I, I read that earlier. And I was waiting for it to be Florida woman. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, Robert, I'm, I'm good here. That's, that's all I wanted to add. All right, uh, Jason, any closing thoughts about this one? Uh, um, well, the fact that, uh, you know... Um, I, after seeing this, I, I do want a dragon even more. I want me a Night Fury to the point where I'm making Shannon go to the bear this weekend and buy me a stuffed Night Fury. But that's okay. okay. That's ridiculous. Why? I, hey, dude, when Happy Feet came out, I went and got a Mumbles. Ah, I don't get me stuff. started on that movie. No, no. You know what I done with it, too? As soon as I got it home, it went up on eBay and I sold it for $300. Because it was right around Christmas times and there was limited time, so yeah, that was awesome. Twenty-two bucks turned into three hundred dollars. Now, now I like how he's proud of himself that he managed to rip somebody off during the happiest time of the year. How about uh, ripping him off if he voluntarily paid for it? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not an idiot. I mean, I hate Christmas. I mean. <laughs> Christmas rolls around. I'm pretty much the damn um, Grinch when Christmas rolls around. If I can make a quick buck off somebody, I will. I will exploit. Okay. I will exploit you due to your kids. Anyway, okay. Um, I, don't, I don't feel like I need to add any more to my my, my uh, <laughs> argument here. I feel like he just won the <laughs> argument for me. Uh, yes, Teasley's an asshole, uh, and I'm an evil ginger. I'm soulless. We've already, we've made Robert already established that long ago that I'm an evil ginger. But That's a redundant phrase. I'm pretty sure um, all gingers are evil. Also, that can by being stroked by a woman uh, gets aroused <laughs> by uh, becoming prickly. We won't go there either. That's something I noticed. What are you saying? What's going on? <laughs> All I'm saying is his his mom runs, just touches him in a certain spot, and all of a sudden he becomes horny. Literally. <laughs> just throwing that out there in the universe. Uh, but How to Train Your Dragon, I mean, it's got a good story. It's got a good message. <laughs> how can I say that after I, what I just said? Uh, but it's it's a feel-good movie. Uh, if you do have kids and you're listening to this, I apologize, but do go see the movie. Um, because this is probably going to be the, the lowest show that Robert's done in quite some time. Because me and Mark no, no, together... You're, no, you're on it, Teasley, and you're the fast, you're the, the hottest, fastest-growing uh, yeah, podcaster you, on the Rattlers and Broadcasting Network. But you weigh me true. down. But you weigh me down. <laughs> you, you, you drag me down. I, I we mean, are the I'm, anchor. 
I'm trying to take over the the RIB MVP from Pat, but I mean, you know, I, I can only do so much. But and we might just give you the trophy. Everyone gets a trophy. No, no, no we don't get me started on that. Everyone does not deserve a trophy. If you don't earn it, you're asked to go work harder to earn a trophy. That's why I'm not allowed to coach T-ball anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So, Robert, anything else on this movie you'd like to discuss with us? Um, let me see. Oh, very briefly then, I suppose. Uh, Apparently, you know, again, money continues to be the primary motivating factor and will decide all things. They're going to make a third one, apparently. This one is definitely on track to be profitable. Mark, let's start with you. What do you want to see from a third How to Train Your Dragon movie? Um, I don't even think it's a matter of what I want to see as opposed to what we're going to get. He, by the end of the second one, has has risen to... Uh, you know, he has found the the will and the confidence to take over the tribe. I keep saying tribe, take over the clan, and um, I think you know, like any like any movie when, when you know when someone rises when when Hot Rod accepted the matrix of leadership and became Rodimus Prime, he too struggled with the mantle of leadership among of the Autobots. So too will we see. Hiccup struggle with the mantle of leadership of his people. And uh, what will end up happening is something will cause him, he will fuck something up to a fairly well. He will then run away with his Night Fury, and Astrid will have to come back and get him and say, no, you must face this thing, and he'll come back, and the village will be uh, in shambles. Some, uh, some false prophet will have risen to power, um, and he'll, you know, he'll have to take him out. I'm telling you, this is, how the, this is how the third movie has to go. I can't imagine it goes any other way. So, you know, so, you know he'll have to reclaim his right, you know, and the trust of the people and find whatever part of his soul is missing in order to do that, to take out the false, uh, the false prophet and reclaim his leadership of the clan. And then he will truly be a man. And then we'll get the fourth one once he's reached his midlife crisis. <laughs> And then he'll want to sleep with his, you know, his daughter's friend who's lying in a pool of rose petals. Never mind. Um, the one new off, faster uh, dragon. <laughs> That's right. Wanting, be wanting to go, wanting to, you know, buy weed off people. <laughs> That's right. He'll be smoking weed in his garage while lifting weights. <laughs> Astrid will sleep with the uh, with the realtor that she works with. Probably be Jonah Hill's character. He'll be the one selling real estate. Shut up. Oh, I'm I'm just saying. Saying, why couldn't Jonah Hill die? That would have been so much better. <laughs> if Jonah Hill would have died in this movie, because they they hate they hated Hiccup, so he could, he probably deserved to die. They hated him in the first movie. It's just like, yeah, we're jealous of you. Oh, you can learn how to you know all this stuff about Dragon. Oh, we want to be your friend. No, fuck that. You deserve to die. Everybody, uh, everybody besides except uh, Asher deserve to die. Just, um, just the only other thing I think that I would like to see happen, maybe is uh, is sort of a transition to a world without dragons. Um, 
you know, I, I'd, l- I'd like to see them sort of end the series kind of on a down note, which is it, Hiccup discovers some sort of mystery thing where the dragons are all starting to die and he can't stop it. Okay, my wife just shrugged at me and gave me this look like you're a psychopath. Well, see, how about, well, how about that? that is the third movie? Like, the dragons start dying off, and he's got to try to figure out a cure and everything. I mean, that, that could be but, so. But I think he can't. I think, I think the last scene has to be him holding Toothless in his arms, and Toothless, and Toothless just passes into, into dragon heaven, and you know, Iris out. That would be awesome. Or give Toothless a Viking uh, funeral. <laughs> you can't burn a dragon. Um, Jesse, Jesse Starcher is, is, face bombing, is Facebook bombing comments at me. <laughs> he just heard my idea and said, that's horrible. <laughs> you know some unpaid interns listen to this and go, that Mark Rallage has a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> there will be a dry eye in the house. Look, I feel like if there's going to – I told you how it could go, right? But there's a reason why I said it that way because that's like – that's always the third movie. You know, Shrek the Third was something very similar to that you know, where, where he was struggling with, meeting, with with being king and all this other crap. So the third movies are always like, like the weakest because they, they always do like a hackneyed plot. Why not do something really original? And, and who cares because – it's not like you need these characters to market any further. So you know, you, there's, there's no fan base to appease. Just go with a, with, with a more interesting movie. And, and I think a movie where the dragons are starting to die off and, you know, and he has to actually leave the, the, the clan with Astrid and go find what's causing this. And, you know, and, and, you know, and when he, but he, he finds it, but by the it's time he comes late. back, it's too late. Yeah, and, and, and there's no more dragons left to cure, and, and Toothless is the last one, and even he's too far gone. Okay, I got a question now, real quick. Yeah, do you think Toothless is going to become uh, grow to be an alpha dragon like one of those big behemoths? Um, I don't see why not. Because well, I mean, I mean, because he he asserted he's he's the alpha dragon now because he like kicked kicked old boy in the nuts and he went back the Leviathan level 10 as Jonah Hill says and he he broke off his his tusk and he retreated back to the uh, the depths of hell with Godzilla in the water and um, but he and he started getting this he got the mis, uh, the mysterious blue glow Godzilla has when he breathes fire so is he going to become bigger? That's just something I, I was curious about. I want to get your take on it. One yeah, like I think hope. so. I, I think he's the only Night Fury that's out there, which is a, which, which is a third option for a movie. Is that you know now they've they've found uh, the other part of Hiccup's family. Maybe the third one you know, they go after. The, you know, the, 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 there's a search for the for the Night Furies. Um, you know, as it turns out, they're not all dead. They're 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 living in Manhattan, um, and they're working. And they're, they're working Elvis, in advertising. They're with, they're with Elvis, Tupac, and Biggie on a remote island in the Caribbean. They are in California, and they are you know they're, they're filming uh, 
they're filming B science fiction movies. I don't know what they're doing. But the Night Fury are out there. They're stunt double for Godzilla and Mothra. You, know, you know, maybe uh, maybe to provide two air travel. Years, <laughs> Toothless hears the siren call of his brethren that he thought were long lost, and he goes off in search of them. And uh, and Hiccup chases after him, but you know, but he's torn because he's got to stay and run the clan. But he wants, but he wants to know where Toothless is going, and he feels like he has to be with him. Maybe, you know, they can go with that for a third plot. Do you hear this, DreamWorks? I'm coming up with some great ideas here. What's even better is have have a female Night Fury like in glasses and like uh, a dress working in some office. Like that, nobody notices that she's a dragon. <laughs> and just have her like, have her name like Betty. <laughs> lipstick, lipstick, a pearl necklace, just sitting at a at a desk. She's the receptionist <laughs> slash unpaid intern who listens to all of these crappy podcasts. <laughs> there we go. We, we found our um, unpaid intern. Toothless's mom has got like a new family, but it's like a bunch of humans. (laughs) (laughs) I have a new life now, Toothless. You have to go away. But I'm a dragon. No, I've started all over. But I'm the alpha. I don't care. (laughs) You're not my son. (laughs) I gave you up, Toothless. So I can learn how to speak English and come here and be domesticated. Or there we I go. gave it we all up for this, uh, you know, crappy apartment in some <laughs> in Manhattan. A great, a, a great crossover where the Leviathan level ten goes down to the water. He runs into Godzilla. We got Godzilla two and How to Train Your Dragon three. Crossover. Godzilla has to fight the <laughs> fight the uh, the former Alpha Dragon. Fantastic. Uh, I'm down. All right. Now that we've given away all of these great great options for movies that will undoubtedly be picked up. Watch the next one to have botched together <laughs> all of the elements that we've discussed here. <laughs> well, watch, it's going to, it's going to, you're going to see Godzilla, like, coming up out of the ocean, and then you're going to see Toothless's mom looking out a window. <laughs> oh, no, not again. <laughs> and, <laughs> and by the end of it, with- all the dragons are dead. Toothless as he's leaving uh, to go, he goes to find the rest of his people because they're all dying off due to this mysterious illness. Oh god! Well, better yet, better yet, since Mark keeps saying clan, they come to America, land in Alabama, and hit up the Grand Black Dragon. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) they hate they 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 kick up shoes because he's a clan member. And he's rose to the head of the clan, so he's a grand wizard, so he has to hate the black dragon. Oh, see, that's not where I thought you were coming from. I thought they were going to, you know, like, uh, they land in Alabama, and, like, a group of white guys try to hang uh, Toothless. Um. <laughs> and then they find out that, you know, that uh, Hiccup has his own clan, and they they bestow the grand wizard on him, we so he's torn between... Yeah, he's torn between being Lord Toothless or loyal to the clan. There we go. I have a, I, 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 I think in Hollywood, unless you're, unless you're doing some sort of biopic, where they're not going to do anything in a children's movie that has to do with the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> how funny would that be, though? <laughs> how, how to train your dragon for Lost in Bama? 
<laughs> Mississippi burning. Mississippi burning. <laughs> Mississippi dragon burning. Yeah, it's got toothless. The poster's got toothless breathing fire down in a small city with a with a burning the ground. Let's see what Duffy has to say about this. Well, he's okay. Leviathan. Sadly, there's better Leviathans. You couldn't. You could have gone for Lorthos. No, Lorthos was an octopus. Anyway, he could have gone for Batista when he was an OVW. He was Leviathan. That's also true. All right, what do we got for plugs here, Mark? Since we're going to wrap this thing up, we I haven't seen it yet. I'll do what I can this week. I guess you guys have given it, you know, enough praise for me to consider spending my money. Okay. First of all, hang on. Before before another word is said, for God's sakes, let Teasley plug his fucking podcast. Teasley, take the next <laughs> twenty minutes. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I feel I am the Dolph Ziggler of the RIB. You know, I make everybody else look good. I get every, I, I get everybody over, and the ma- and management just holds me down, holds me back. I think Dolph Ziggler's not that good. You, if you guys, if you guys want a funny interaction, ask Jesse about my um, interaction. How I how I compared the RIB to WWE. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's just let's just say that uh, Mark was Vince. Uh, Robert, you was um, hang on, was hang on. Orton. I do have an enormous pair of grapefruits. If you say you was, Randy uh, Orton, so help me, I will come down there and find you. Well, you was Randy Orton simply because you're the company guy. You you stick by. You always do whatever Mark tells you. You step up for Mark when Mark can't be there. You're you feel yeah, you in. Couldn't have gone with Cena then. If I want to be the company guy, no, I want to be no, the guy no. who's not covered in crappy tattoos, has a robotic voice, no. and serves no useful function is. in society. We all know who the pretty boy of the RIB Network is. We all know that's Mullen. Uh, no. If I was going to compare Pat to anyone, it would be Daniel Bryan. He's there just to annoy everyone else. Don't, he might he might leave New Jersey to come hunt you down because he hates vanilla midgets. No, he won't leave Jersey. <laughs> I feel confident clear out here. But, okay, since Mark is a uh, – put me on the spot. Um, we do have a big announcement coming that is not only going to be beneficial – beneficial to the cheap seats in a large part, but it's going to kind of overflow and bring everybody in the Radley Jim Broadcasting Network up tremendously, especially I see it helping you, Robert, with MMA coverage because, like I said, when we do the formal announcement, I'll, I'll fill you guys in. Mark knows a little bit about it, but uh, you can catch me, Jesse, and hopefully we can get Coop back on uh, every other Thursday from the Chief Seat. Yes, Mark, we're recording this Thursday, even though I don't know when we're doing the switch because you've I've seen two different things. So this Thursday or Wednesday, whichever you're, you tell me I need to record on, we're going to be doing from a Chief Seat. Then we'll be off for the holiday, and then we'll come back in two weeks. And we're going to, and hopefully in the in two weeks we'll be able to make the big announcement and get everybody on board and share everything because it'll be in full full swing. This past, our past show 
had 44 live listeners. I think that's a record. I don't know. I have to check with Mark. Um, Probably. 180 downloads. The closest thing she covered was Ground and Pounds. So. But it was the Hunter Gandhi um, follow-up special about the young man that had his fur on his back and did the 40-mile walk in two days to raise cerebral palsy awareness. So if you haven't checked that out yet, go check it out. Other than that, I mean, that's all I got. And I, I really wish that Mark wouldn't forget me when he does plugs because I love you, Mark. And it breaks my heart. I'll try to do better. All right. Uh, I happen to have the schedule up in front of me. Teasley, here's what I'm going to tell you. Take, 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 take your fingers out of your ears. Get a pen piece of paper. I'm sitting Al Bundy style. They're in my pants. Well, find something to write with and write down these dates and then don't record on those dates, okay? And right, then you can, record your sh- you can record your show on any date not being used or when a show is over well, or we before. Go, we, go, we go to our new date is Wednesday. When we switch, right? Well, well, that's why that you need to pay attention because here, here it goes. All right. <laughs> so um, I come back. The Jonas Exodus is officially over, and my first official show back as host of anything is the Metal Hammer of Doom. That's June twenty fourth, where Robert Cooper and I will be at our new time of ten p.m. and we'll be doing a review of. Steel Panthers, All You Can Eat. Songs about glory holes and you were beautiful until you started talking. Just the new Rattledge and Broadcasting Anthem. Um, it's all good stuff. Can't wait to talk about it. Came out April 1st. It's an outstanding album. Now, the next day, June 25th, is part three of Sean and I's uh, mini podcast, Litchfield Live, Orange is the New Black, Season 2 Review. Why I said you can't use the you can't use the twenty fifth. No, I, nothing I didn't go, think we was coming over to July. I didn't think the switch took effect till July. Yeah, well, the, the switch is now happening a week later than I thought it was going to, um, but I haven't gotten there yet. Uh, June twenty fifth, like I said, Litchfield Live. Um, June twenty seventh, I put a gun to Robert's head and made him do Decepticons for his next Everybody Loves a Bad Guy. Um, I think the day before. For that, no, sorry, never mind. Um, June 29th is the 401 Ground and Pound radio show with the UFC 175 preview plus the uh, the Ultimate Fighter 19. I'm doing Robert's plugs for him because I put this all on the schedule because I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Except mine. Except mine. I didn't know what your schedule was. I never know when you're doing your show anymore. Um, June 29th, assuming uh, Jed and or Gavin or around for it, we'll be doing a Money in the Bank post-show review, like we do with all of the special events. Okay. So you're going to complain about John Cena being champion? Shut up, you. Um, July <laughs> July 1st is my first Long Road to Ruin back. We'll be doing the Transformers, the Shia LaBeouf trilogy. That's what we're calling it. That's fair. Now... <laughs> <laughs> July 2nd is our last Litchfield Live. That's the last one. We're going to do the last four episodes of Orange is the New Black Season 2. June, uh, July 3rd, which I believe is a Thursday. Yeah. Uh, Robert, myself, and hopefully Pat will be back. We'll be talking Transformers Age of Extinction. 
we'll be reviewing that. July 4, I think is uh, right now I have is a holiday. Um it's also a, it's also a Friday. Yeah, it's yeah. a Friday. It's a Friday. Uh I'm not sure if Robert's doing a show on that Friday. I have to be TBD right now. There might not be anything well, going sure. on, there might be a show, who knows. Yeah. Um July 6th, we're back with Robert's show again on the Formula One Ground Upon Radio show, UFC 175 review. July 8th, Metal Hammer of Doom reviews Body Count's new album, Manslaughter, Talk Shit, Get Shot. The risk is the uh, Rattledge and Broadcasting anthem, as is you were beautiful until you started talking. And finally... July, we were supposed to do it the week of July 8th, but Gavin's out of town, so we're delaying a week. Right now, July 15th is the Whiskey Rebellion with myself and Gavin Apier and hopefully uh, Chris. Um, That is, of course, subject to change again, but that's where we are right now. So um, everything is staying the same until at least July 15th, and then we'll have to figure out where things are going to land. Do you want me to give you my dates? It'd be June 26th. Okay. Robert, hang up on him. Right. No. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Fuck you, then. Go ahead. Uh, it'd be June 26th, July 10th, July 23rd. Okay. Because the 23rd will be the first Wednesday we get. Okay. That, that that day appears to be open. And then and then in August, it will be... August, we're going to go weekly on... On Wednesday from the sixth, thirteenth, August we'll be back to weekly till August till till uh, many uh, preseason starts. We're going to stay bi-weekly, then go weekly once the preseason starts. So, and that's the week of the Hall of Fame game. August. You should definitely you should definitely put all of this down on the Long Road to Ruin uh, page and or send it to me, and I'll do it myself. So I can keep track of all the stuff. Yeah, I, I'll put it. I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll, I'll get all the way up till September first down and send it to you. Sounds like a plan, Sam. Okay. All right, Mark did all my plugs for me. Uh, generally speaking, on Fridays we have everyone looks a bad guy. We took a week off this week to make room for this. I don't mind next week. Uh, you know, it's concurrent with Transformers Age of Extinction coming out. We will be looking at the greatness of the Decepticons, and we will be pillaging Michael Bay for all the crap that he has foisted on those of us who are fans of the series. So tune in for that. I also host, as Mark mentioned, the 411 Ground and Pound radio show. It's a, a weekly look at the wide, wacky world of MMA every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, those are my shows that I do here on the Rylich and Broadcasting Network. Thank you all again so very much for joining us. Uh, I'm going to close with about a minute of the How to Train, with the same thing we introed with, uh, some of the theme song from How to Train Your Dragon. So for Mark Radlich, who's back in the saddle full swing, and for Jason Teasley, who is rising up the ranks and uh, is going to surpass all of us here in the immediate future, I'm Robert Winfrey saying thank you again for joining us and reminding you to be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>